China's strict COVID-19 policy hitting Apple. New iPhone 14 orders may see delays. An urgent plea calling for an end to Beijing's human rights abuses. A group of California residents urging China to release their detained family members back home. The West phasing out nuclear energy, China doing the opposite. The latest on Beijing's nuclear energy expansion. And Beijing lashing out at the UK over a top official's trip to Taiwan. Welcome to China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Before we turn to today's news, we'd like to thank the sponsor of today's episode, email and messenger app Secure. Every click, every post you do online is scanned and monitored. Big tech is watching. Your data is not yours, and it's being mined and stolen. Over 150 million Americans, that's how many were affected by the data leaks in 2020. The average American's personal data was stolen over four times during the course of the year. But it doesn't have to be this way. There's a new way to build real privacy online. Introducing the email and messenger app Secure. Secure server and data center are hosted in Switzerland, home to the world's strictest data privacy laws. Secure is the only secure messaging and email app that does not rely on big tech companies like Amazon, Google or Microsoft. It uses proprietary encryption technology and an independent platform to safeguard your data. Secure doesn't ask for your phone number or copy your contacts. Instead, add people through their secure numbers. And for non-secure users, there's a chat by invite feature. Visit secure.com to learn more about what makes us different. Get started with Secure Messenger for just $5 or $10 for the email and messenger package. Use promo code Tiffany for 25% off. Orders for the new iPhone 14 Pro may come later than expected. One of Apple's largest suppliers is facing delays, sparked by China's COVID-19-driven lockdowns. Here's more. Apple warned on Sunday, November 6th, that shipments of its newest high-end iPhones would be delayed. That's after production at its main plant in central China was disrupted due to COVID-19. China has been hit by a resurgence of the virus with nearly 5,500 new cases reported on Monday, November 7th. The Foxconn factory in Zhenzhou employs 200,000 people and is the world's largest iPhone plant. It has recently been rocked by discontent over stringent measures to curb the spread of the virus. Many workers have fled the site, prompting Foxconn to offer generous bonuses to retain staff. In a statement, Apple said, the facility is currently operating at significantly reduced capacity. We now expect lower iPhone 14 Pro and iPhone 14 Pro Max shipments than we previously anticipated. Other global firms to be impacted by the COVID curbs include Estee Lauder and Canada Goose. Both have shut their stores in China and cut full-year forecasts. Over the weekend, Beijing doused speculation that it was considering easing its strict zero-COVID strategy. Those rumors had led to a surge in the price of Chinese stocks in Hong Kong last week. Meanwhile, in another sign that economic activity is slowing in the world's second-largest economy, trade figures released on Monday showed that China's exports and imports unexpectedly contracted in October. It was the first simultaneous slump since May 2020. 
An urgent plea from San Francisco's Bay Area. A group of residents there are calling on Washington to help bring their family members in China home. That's after Chinese authorities abducted their relatives in the country during the Communist Party's National Congress meeting. Here are the details. Family members called for the release of prisoners of conscience held within Chinese jails. One of them was Newark resident Huang Changyu, who hasn't heard from his father in nearly a month. They came at uh, 7 p.m., around 7 p.m. in the October 11th to, to abduct my father away from his home. According to his aunt, police in the capital city of Beijing abducted his 66-year-old father, named Huang Yongcheng, for his spiritual belief in Falun Gong. They locked him in a detention center. The arrest came amidst the 20th National Congress for the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP. Sweeping political persecution often precedes large political events in the communist country. My father was uh, distributing some messages in the social media. Uh, obviously, it was noticed by the police. And uh, some, I, I don't know the real, real reason. Right now, we are still trying to see why they just come to, our, to my home. We don't know the real reason. That's our guess. Huang hasn't given up hope of getting back in touch with his father, despite family members being restricted from visiting him. Yeah, my appeal is that uh, hope, uh, you know, the U.S. government can help reach out to the Chinese government, the President Xi and the local police station, to tell them to release my father, who is innocent, who is just doing good for the society, but just for, insist on his uh, belief in truthfulness, compassion for veterans in Falun Gong. Liu Zhitong, an Alameda resident, is calling for the release of her 56-year-old mother, Kong Qingping. Police abducted her on October 22nd and sent to a detention center in the northeastern Manchurian city of Dalian. She is also a Falun Gong practitioner. Similarly, family members may not see her. I'm worried because I know the Chinese government brutally persecutes Falun Gong practitioners, so I'm worried she's now facing the same predicament. Friends and families voice grave concern for Professor Huang and Mrs. Kong's safety. They worry that a show trial may take place, a common formality prisoners of conscience suffer in China. Liu, Huang and others urge for an international appeal to release their family members immediately. As the West is aiming to phase out nuclear power, China is doing the opposite. The regime is expanding its nuclear energy. In China's northeastern Liaoning province, a newly built nuclear power plant is launching operations. The plant is set to provide heating for locals. It's the first nuclear power facility in the region. And the plant is also the largest electric energy investment in northeast China. Right now, over 50 nuclear facilities in China are in operation, with over 20 under construction. The country is also looking to expand its nuclear power capacity in the coming years. The president of China's nuclear society said the country may approve six to eight new nuclear plants every year. Across the Pacific, the future of nuclear power in the U.S. remains uncertain. America has the world's most nuclear reactors, over 90 of them. They generate almost 20 percent of the nation's electricity. But 21 power plants are in the process of being decommissioned. Two new reactors are under construction. But some companies that have the licenses to build the plants haven't moved forward. 
Across the U.S., different states have different political sentiments about nuclear power. California has a strong anti-nuclear sentiment. Whereas in Illinois, the state legislature greenlit almost $700 million to keep nuclear reactors in operation. Over in Europe, Germany, Belgium, Spain and Switzerland are considering phasing out nuclear power completely in three to seven years. Though plans in some countries have been halted due to the current energy shortage after Russia cut gas supplies to Europe. Canada seems to be getting more wary of Chinese firms. The nation ordered three Chinese companies to divest their investments in Canadian critical minerals, citing national security concerns. The three Chinese firms are Sinomine Rare Metals Resources Company, Chenzhi Lithium International, and Jiangge Mining Investment Company. Western allies are concerned over China's growing dominance in the sector. In response, China accused Canada of using national security as an excuse to suppress Chinese companies. Canadian industry minister François-Philippe Champagne said that the divestiture was ordered after rigorous scrutiny of foreign firms by Canada's national security and intelligence community, adding that Canada will act decisively when investments threaten our national security and our critical mineral supply chains. Canada has large deposits of minerals such as nickel and cobalt. These are critical for electrical power technology, such as electric vehicles, and demand is expected to expand in the coming decades. China is lashing out at the United Kingdom. A trade minister from the country is visiting Taiwan for talks and is set to meet with the island's president, Tsai Ing-wen. Here's more. Trade Minister Greg Hans kicked off his two-day visit to Taipei today. He's due to co-host the UK-Taiwan 25th Annual Trade Talks with Tsai during the visit. Hans' office said the visit is a clear signal of the UK's commitment to boosting trade ties with the island, but Beijing has urged Britain to back off. It views self-governing Taiwan as its own territory and strongly objects to any official interactions between Taipei and foreign governments. Beijing claims Taiwan as its own territory and has threatened to annex it by force. Councillors in a British city are choosing to cut ties with a Chinese sister city over Beijing's human rights abuses. This after China sanctioned a British academic at a local university. NDD's Jane Wirral has more for us. The city's Newcastle and Taiwan have had a long-standing twin city agreement since 1985. Now city councillors have voted to end it unanimously. It's interesting that on page two of the city's motion, which I've got here, it highlights academic Joe Smith Finley, the first British academic to be sanctioned by the Chinese Communist Party. She's a reader in Chinese studies at Newcastle University, and Finley researches human rights abuses in Xinjiang against Uyghur Muslims. She wrote a letter in strong support of the motion. Now, she was sanctioned by China last year, along with eight others, including five MPs, for what the Chinese regime called maliciously spreading lies and disinformation. The motion, which was proposed by Lib Dem councillor Wendy Taylor, says sanctioning Finlay poses a serious threat to academic freedom, as she could be extradited to China when travelling abroad. The motion says the Chinese communist regime is not concerned with upholding universal values or adhering to international rules of conduct. Hong Kong group Newcastle Stands with Hong Kong supported the motion. They're part of a global campaign called Detwin with China. 
the global campaign is advocating for 12 other UK cities to cut ties with their Chinese sister cities. This includes Birmingham, Edinburgh, Glasgow, Leeds, Liverpool, London and Manchester. Councils in Wakefield in Yorkshire and Newport in Wales have already passed motions to cut ties with their Chinese sister cities. In terms of how the UK is dealing with the Chinese Communist Party on the government level, the Security Minister, Tom Tugendhat, has confirmed an investigation into undeclared Chinese police stations in the UK and said they're intending to close Confucius Institutes, which was, of course, a campaign pledge from Rishi Sunak. So there's a lot to keep an eye on in Parliament. A number of gifts have arrived in the Solomon Islands over the past week as China and Australia compete to be the island nation's dominant security partner. China on Friday donated two water cannon trucks, 30 motorcycles and 20 cars to the Royal Solomon Islands Police Force. This just two days after Australia donated 60 rifles and 13 police vehicles. Australia has traditionally been the Solomon Islands' biggest security partner for years helping stabilize unrest in the Pacific nation. But earlier this year, the Solomon Islands signed a security pact with China, sparking concerns in the West. The Solomon Islands holds great geopolitical importance to the U.S. and its allies. Washington has ramped up efforts to support the Solomon Islands and other countries in the region to counter China's rising influence there. Coming up, a push to ban TikTok. An official in charge of America's telecom watchdog is pushing to oust the app. But with the platform already a part of life for 80 million Americans, what's the next step? We hear from Arthur Herman, senior fellow at the Hudson Institute and director of the Quantum Alliance Initiative. After the break. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Next, we zoom in on a fight over TikTok's future. Some lawmakers and former Trump administration officials are trying to wipe the app from American soil. The Chinese-owned platform has made itself part of American life. Over 80 million users turned to the app for a dose of fun. But concerns are growing that TikTok's user data could be tapped by the Chinese Communist Party. Where is this tug of war headed? We spoke with Arthur Herman, senior fellow at the Hudson Institute and director of the Quantum Alliance Initiative, for details. Speaking of solutions and thinking ahead, it seems one area that's, you know, back and forth in the spotlight a bunch is TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> There's a question of whether or not that's it's right. a national security threat. Some say it is, some say it's not. But it right. seems now one side is trying to make a change, and that is the FCC. The FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr is saying we have to ban TikTok. Now, it seems he can't do this alone with just the powers of the FCC. So where do you see this going? I don't know if an outright TikTok ban is the best answer. I think there are other ways in which this could be done to, in a sense, to corral TikTok um, data, for example, and make sure that it is administered and handled by an American company, let's say, instead of by a Chinese company or, or by ByteDance, the, 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 the parent company of, of TikTok. That was one of the original original proposals that the Trump administration had about how to deal with the TikTok threat was instead of allowing that data all to flow into Chinese sources, let's keep it 
in the hands of an American company. As I remember, the company they had in mind was Microsoft. And Microsoft was willing to do it, but in the end, in the end, the, the deal was never the deal was never secured. And TikTok made a series of, you remember this, a series of disingenuous promises that, oh no, we're never gonna help ourselves to your the data will be sacrosanct and we won't touch it, et cetera. We know that's not. We knew that was never true. And that we never expected it was going to be true. So much of the problem that we've had, Tiffany, in dealing with China is of our own making. We've allowed these situations to develop for China to become this huge, powerful, and, and, and really predatory presence in the world economy, in the world of high tech. And now we're beginning to realize we've got to rein them in. And we've got to think about the ways in which we protect our national security and our economic prosperity. Uh, and that part of that is to, uh, to push back on China's access to that technology and to China's ability to manipulate our public opinion, our culture, in ways that are just just not not aligned with American values uh, or the values that that we want our young people and our next generation to be part of. And Arthur, so if it's not an all-out ban on TikTok, as we were talking about the manipulative side, right? There's a recent report that says TikTok has been downloaded globally, I think over three billion times. So that's, you know, approaching half of the world's population. And then TikTok inside and outside of China, doing in China, has a different algorithm. So it's training us in different ways, right? Inside right. China, it's like they have set time limits. They get, you know, encouraged to watch students succeeding. And then in America, that's not what you're encouraged to watch. So given that part, if it's not a ban, how would we balance that then? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think you have to take it one step at a time. And what I would like to sort of see is, first of all, get control over the access to data. The amount of data that's generated on TikTok dwarfs that of Facebook, for example, which is huge. You know, the Facebook, the, 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 the terabytes of data that flows daily through Facebook is enormous. Uh, the data that flows through TikTok is even bigger than that. Um, and that's all data that the company is handling, allowing to flow through, administering, helping itself to. We don't really know what they're doing with all of that. Get control of the data first. Then you can work on the content side. Then you can work on the content side, I think. Um, but I think that sentiment is growing, and we're beginning to realize that. And I think what you're going to see with the new Congress is there's going to be much more appetite in pushing back, pushing back hard on China's access, not just to our technologies, but to the minds and spirit of our young people. And that's what, that's what we're really engaged with in the, in the battle over TikTok. Fears are rising over U.S. deterrence posture. Some say Washington is weakening its military position in terms of nuclear weapons and conventional warfare. This comes as the Air Force pulls permanent F-15 squadrons from Okinawa and replaces them with rotational fighters. The Pentagon is also making changes to its nuclear arsenal. An expert breaks down the change. We hear from NTD's Kevin Hogan with News Today. Joining us now is Bradley Thayer, the director of China Policy at the Center for Security Policy. He's also the co-author of America's Achilles Heel, Nuclear, Biological, and Chemical Terrorism and Covert Attack. Pleasure speaking with you, Bradley. Thank you. It's wonderful to join you today. Thank you for the opportunity. 
The Pentagon says the United States will stop developing nuclear-armed sea-launched cruise missiles. This includes retiring the most destructive nuclear bomb in the U.S. arsenal and canceling the missile program. Why are they doing it, and why now? Well, it uh, remains to be seen, I think, fully why they're doing it. It is a time of particular danger for the United States when we face Russian aggression in Ukraine and we face a belligerent China under Xi Jinping, simply as he came off of the 20th Party Congress emboldened and with direct threats against Taiwan as well as against the United States. So it's a question now, why is the Biden administration announcing these uh, steps in important policy documents, the National Defense Strategy, the Nuclear Posture Review, and the Missile Defense uh, Strategy, which they've just released. So it leaves, I think, a lot of folks in the strategic community scratching their heads in terms of why they're taking this, these steps uh, to remove these arrows from our quiver at a time of increasing belligerence, because that does not augur well for deterrence of China or of Russia. Yes, and I would like to talk about these deterrents. And I see what you mean about now is a time to show strength. First, I want to ask, does Congress have to approve this decision? And if so, do you think they will support it? Well, the administration can execute this without Congress, but Congress does, of course, have a role to play uh, in terms of oversight and in terms of budget. Uh, so if there is a Republican House and Senate, I would expect that these decisions come under significant pressure to be reversed. Uh, whether the administration and Congress can agree to that is another issue. But I think that there will be a fight uh, over uh, these issues, a slicker man and uh, the B-83 retirement. And going back to deterrence, this gravity bomb is very powerful. Now, would it be that it's not useful in tactical strikes, or is there another reason for this? Well, it wouldn't be useful in tactical strikes because of its yield. That is, it's a very, in a tactical strike, you'd want a smaller yield weapon. Uh, and this is multi-megaton, it's designed to go after deeply buried targets. That's one of the um, uh, reasons why it's in the arsenal. For example, Russian command and control centers or conceivably Chinese uh, centers uh, as well. Those are targets that you would want to hold uh, at risk um, if you're seeking to deter Russia or China. So to remove it um, without any replacements um, is... Uh, seen as uh, a damaging for deterrence, because deterrence operates, after all, on really two variables. First, political calculations, your commitment, your willpower, your willingness to run risks, uh, and secondly, your military capabilities. And I want to zoom in on China here. Also in the strategy documents released Thursday, the Pentagon emphasized its focus on China as the so-called pacing threat. So the rhetoric uh, seems to be good, uh, but the actions that the, at the same time, the actions they're taking undermine the rhetoric. If China is, as they identify it, a pacing threat, uh, then the United States should be doing everything that it can uh, to meet it in conjunction with the, the fact that it faces the Russian threat at the same time. In fact, as that document belies, uh, the administration is weakening uh, the United States. So rhetoric uh, seems to be on the right track, but recommendations are on the wrong track. So great to have your analysis. Bradley Thayer, Center for Security Policy, so great to have you on the show today. Uh, thank you very much indeed. 
That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. But before you go, we have an announcement. Tomorrow is the midterm election day, so our program will pause for NTD's election coverage. China in Focus will resume on Wednesday. Thanks for watching. See you then.